I want to be your real estate resource. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Your Real Estate Resource. I'm your host, Steve Ravithis, and today we're fortunate to have with us attorney Lisa Beauvais. Attorney Beauvais has been practicing law since 1995 and has proudly maintained her solo practice for over 23 years. She graduated with a Bachelor's of Science degree in business finance from Western New England College and continued on to Western New England College School of Law for a Juris Doctorate. Lisa later obtained a Master's in Law degree in estate planning and elder law. Attorney Beauvais is a member of the following organizations, the Massachusetts Bar Association, the Hamden County Bar Association, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, the Estate Planning Council of Hamden County, the Western Massachusetts Elder Care Professional Association, the Professional Women's Chamber, and the West of the River Chamber. So I think you're well qualified to talk on the topics today. I hope so. <laughs> um Maybe just tell us a little bit about the the history of your practice and, and how you've grown. Sure, sure. So first, I have to apologize for my scratchy voice. I have little allergies going on. I usually don't sound this way. Um, I started practicing. I went to law school when I was about 28. I went a little bit later in life. And when I graduated, I did a lot of court-appointed work. I worked uh, as guardian and conservator and guardian ad litem. I worked a little bit in the juvenile court. And I really found a really good niche for me was working with elders. I really loved that area of the law. So I started doing a lot more elder law work and a lot of estate planning work and kind of morphed into that being my primary area of practice. So what exactly is elder law? So elder law, that's hasn't been around forever. It really evolved, I'd say, about 20 or so years ago. It kind of became popular. And it really became a niche where um, elders receive services such as Medicaid planning for going into a nursing home, asset protection, uh, a lot of area, a lot of work in helping elders transition from their home into assisted living or other living arrangements, nursing home care, helping them with veterans benefits, Medicare questions, and really issues that are very unique to elders and elders alone. And so what does the typical elder law client kind of look like, I guess? Well, it, it could usually start with someone who's recently retired because once they've retired, they know what their living situation is going to look like. They know what their finances look like. They're now maybe receiving Social Security, a pension if they're fortunate, any other type of benefits. And it's so that age group around retirement, say 65, 67, is a typical client. And then usually someone in their mid-70s to early 80s with a really starting to consider looking at their financial picture and looking at what their future looks like, where they may be going, whether or not they can stay in the home anymore. And that is a real typical elder law client. And is it like too early to get started? Like if you're in your 40s and you got a couple of young kids, is there some planning that along the elder line path that you should still be doing or? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, elder, I shouldn't say elder, but estate planning can start as early as anyone who owns assets. Yeah. So buying their first home, they should have a will. They should have some estate plan documents put in place. Uh, young couples who get married should have an estate plan. Having children generates that thought process of having a state plan, naming a guardian for your child. So there's no particular age to actually start the estate plan in. Um, 
again, once you own assets, you should have an estate plan. So it's really for people of any age. Okay. Um, and then let's get back to specifically the elder law. What does the work in, entail? What kind of documents are you drafting for, for that typical client? For an elder, I would start with a basic estate plan of a will, a last will and testament, a, a health care proxy, and a power of attorney. Those are three basic documents. Depending on what their needs are and what their goals are, we could start talking about trusts. And trust, there's, there's a whole variety of trusts and lots of different reasons and purposes why an elder may need a trust. So it doesn't, it's not always for everyone. It's not a something that's very typical. And those are the real three documents that we start with for elders and really for people of any age. Those are the three documents that we basically start looking at. So if, if you go onto the great world, the wide web now, and you Google will and, and mm -hmm. uh, healthcare proxy, and you can do all this online at this point, right? You can, and some people do, but it's, it comes with risk. You sure. have to be very careful. A lot of people look online and they say, well, the cost is great. And they think lawyers are going to be super expensive. Um, but those come with consequences. You have to really be careful about your state specifics and what is required when you have a will, what is the execution requirements. Same thing for power of attorney and a healthcare proxy. I recommend for everyone to, to talk with an attorney just to make sure you're getting what you're going to need. A lot of these documents may not include state-specific requirements as far as what happens when somebody does pass away. So we have to be really careful because that document could be worth nothing in sure. the end. Yeah, and these are important documents that, although maybe you can get it done online, it just doesn't make too much sense to me uh, to save a couple of dollars in, in this realm. You shouldn't. It's you know? really important. And if you're going to think about a will and think about the importance of it, why would you want to leave it up to an online document? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, the estate planning process, why don't you kind of walk people through that a little bit? So when we talk about estate planning, the question I get a lot of times when a client first calls to make an appointment is, what do I need to bring? What do I need to know? Mm -hmm. I usually start with a consultation of having them come in. You don't really need to bring anything. Let's just sit and have a conversation. And let's talk about what your needs are. And I have, I have an intake form that I can fill out when a client sits with me. And I go through the series of questions. I'm asking them questions based on what I know they may need for the document. And so that's really where the estate plan starts. It starts with sitting down and having a conversation and having me get to know you and what I think your needs are and what you think your needs are. And how about how just I a couple of the high level questions that it's going to come out of that intake every single time? What, what are some of the every things they should be time. prepared to answer? Are you married? Do you have children? Very important question around children is, do you have any children with special needs? Because that that brings up a whole host of other questions and different types of documents. Do you have um, grandchildren? Are you looking to leave assets to your grandchildren? You know, what is your thought process here as far as where you want your assets to go? We also look into what are the actual assets and how are they titled, whether they're husband and wife together, whether they're owned individually. And I really take the time to explain to them what's going to happen with the estate plan once somebody does pass away and how that 
what, what documents are triggered and how that's going to work so that they have a good sense of it. A lot of people really don't understand the estate process at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I really try to spend the time walking them through. So you do the intake, right? And you, you get the all intake. these questions answered. What's yeah. the next step? The next step is for me to then, if I have enough information, uh, to start drafting documents for them. I usually, before I even do that, though, I usually follow up with a letter outlining everything that we've talked about, and I come up with a fee for them and a fee agreement form so that there's no surprises in the end, so they know exactly what they're paying and what work they're getting for that. We don't want anyone to be taken off guard. And once the client then agrees and says, yes, okay, we want to hire you, I then start the documents and I start drafting them for them. Um, Once I'm done with the drafts and I mail them to the client, they have the chance to review them, to either call or email or come back again. They can come back as many times as they need to for explanations. And um, from there, we then move forward to maybe a second draft until we get all the way through to the final draft of the products. Uh, Once we get to that stage, they then would come back in and we do a full execution with witnesses and notary public and, again, any final questions. I always review the documents with the client one final time while they're sitting with me, just, again, to make sure that they have no questions. Okay. And I, I think you, you mentioned this earlier, but when people hear attorney, they definitely think, oh, my God, I can't afford this. Can you? <laughs> and I know every situation is going to be different, but, you know, take us maybe through the cost of like a basic, you know, uh, uh, estate plan and what that might run somebody to. Hey, if you're a little bit more complicated, we could be talking about this extra. Sure. You know. Well, it's really broken down. A lot of my estate plans are flat fees and pretty much most of them are. And so that way there's no surprise for the client. So a very simple, simple will just to cover a few assets and may start at $300. Uh, It could go up to as much as, let's say, $800 if there's lots of provisions and lots of different types of distributions or a really large family that's the estate is broken down into many pieces. An estate plan package where we do like a will, a power of attorney, and a health care proxy can be anywhere between six and eight hundred dollars. Um, and then if they really wanted to get into something more sophisticated and they want to, they need a trust, a special needs trust or a revocable trust, we may charge anywhere from twelve to $1,500 for that trust on top of the other documents. Yeah. So, so the initial package is, you know, when you're talking about something that's going to, you know, be the documents that control everything after the fact, I mean, that is, you know, pretty reasonable pricing. I mean... Estate planning is not expensive. What's more expensive on the back end is the actual probate. So by having a will and having the documents in place that you need and the power that you need, it's it's pennies when you compare it to what it costs on the actual backside of and probate. The time. And the time, exactly. The and the, a lot of people don't realize that, for example, when we talk about real estate, in Massachusetts, if somebody passes away without a will, they don't have a power. The executor or the personal representative does not have the power to sell that real estate. So now they have to go through probate and they have to take extra steps through probate in order to have the power to sell the real estate. 
Yeah. Which I'm sure you've probably dealt with a few times. It's a real tedious process. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, after mm-hmm. the break, we're coming up against it. But I mean, ballpark, you know, talk about some timelines and the extra time to get through probate. I mean, well, the probate process can start uh, and take as long as up to a year because creditors have one year from date of death. Yeah. So the estate's going to stay open for at least a year. And I can go into a lot more detail into that after the break. Yeah, let's do that. So listen, good, good first half here. A lot of information already. Uh, If people have, you know, elder law, estate planning types of questions, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Simple phone call. Okay. I'm easily reached at 413-746-8525. Again, that's 413-746-8525. Easiest way. Easiest way. And your physical location? I'm at 171 Park Avenue in West Springfield. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Guys, as always, if you've got real estate related questions, whether you're looking to buy, sell, invest, or maybe even get into the real estate business, uh, we'd love to chat with you. You can reach us at 413-998-7466, 413-998-7466. I'm Steve Ravithis, your real estate resource, and we'll be right back with Lisa. Hi, from North Point Mortgage, your local mortgage lender. We cater to first-time home buyers, offering a full range of loan programs, including USDA, VA, FHA, and mass housing. With state-of-the-art technology, we streamline the mortgage process for you. North Point has offices throughout New England, including West Springfield, Rocky Hill, and Sturbridge. Please contact Melissa Ostrander at 413-977-8155 or at mortgageswithmelissa.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Melissa Ostrander, MLS number 1396546, North Point, MLS 1515. Are you thinking about selling a piece of real estate in the next three to six months, but aren't sure where to get started? I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we would love to talk to you about how we can position your property to get top dollar. Our team of experts can help you make the appropriate repairs, stage the property, and make the property stand out online with professional photography and videography. Please give us a call at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466, and talk to one of our listing specialists. Attention Massachusetts and Connecticut homeowners, 2019 is shaping up to be a fantastic real estate market. I'm Steve Ravithis, I run Ravithis Realty, and we focus on Western Massachusetts and Northern Connecticut. Let us help you sell and get top dollar while the market's still hot. Call us at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466. Who you choose to work with matters, and we want to be your real estate resource. Are you thinking about purchasing real estate in the next three to six months, but aren't sure where to get started? I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we love educating people about the home buying process. We want to be your real estate resource, from helping you find the properties to aligning you with the best local lenders, inspectors, and attorneys to facilitate your transaction. Please give us a call at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466, and talk to one of our buyer specialists. Welcome back to Your Real Estate Resource. I'm your host, Steve Ravithis, and we've got attorney Lisa Beauvais talking to us today about uh, elder law. And uh, we left off on probate. So let's uh, let's pick up there. Why don't you kind of walk us through what probate is and what the process looks like, et cetera. Sure. So we, we left off at probate. And usually what happens, obviously, first someone passes away. Yes. And really what should happen is after funeral arrangements and things like that are taken care of, a family member in charge should take the last will and testament, hopefully if there was one, and if there wasn't, 
they should then come see uh, a probate attorney, a person who does estate plan and probate work. And what I usually do is I sit with the client and we really go through a lot of the preliminary matters that need to be taken care of when someone passes away, including probate in the will. And once that will, we, we file documents, we prepare documents, and then that will gets filed in the probate court. And there's a whole process. There's different types of probate dependent on the size of the estate and whether or not there was a will. And those documents get filed. And if everything's in order, the probate court will then issue a decree in order and letters of authority for the personal representative. The personal representative is the new term that we use for executor. And that is the person that's going to be in charge of the estate. My job then is to guide them through the probate process by way of advising them how to handle each individual asset of that estate, how to close it out, how to sell the real estate, which is really most of the times a large, very significant part of the estate. And walk them through that and guide them through until each estate is closed out, until distributions are made to the heirs at law or the devisees if there's a will, to make sure that creditors are paid if they're entitled to be paid. And that's why the whole process takes up to a year because creditors have one year from date of death to file their claim and perfect their claim against the estate. So it's really important that the client knows what they are supposed to do and that they do it correctly. And that's why it's not usually something that a person does on their own without the advice of an attorney, because that's one thing they don't want to do is mess up. Yeah. And so, so even if you have all the documents in place, once the the family member passes away, probably still going to need an attorney to help you through the process. Yes, I've got the legal document that says this is what should happen, but how do I make it happen now? Right? Correct. And that is a really big misconception that a lot of times the client will come to me and say, well, they'll wave the document in front of me and they'll say, I'm the personal representative. I'm named in this will, so I'm good. And I say, no, 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 that's good that you're named in the will, but now we have to actually start the process and do probate. And that is a big misconception is clients think I have the will, so I am the personal rep. And they're really surprised when they hear, oh, I still have to go through probate. So those two... um, Items are really, they just don't jive with the client. They're just very confused. Uh, that is a big misconception. So in, in the best case scenario, you've got a will. It clearly identifies everything that, that uh, the person wanted to happen. You take that in, to the court and, and you record it, yes? Correct. It gets recorded yeah. with other documents, with petitions and a list of heirs, list of devisees. The, the court has a whole set of documents for each type of probate. And every single document needs to be filed and needs to be filed correctly. There's lots of questions, lots of little boxes that need to be checked off. And if it's not done correctly, the court will send those documents back. So technically you could try and do it yourself. You can try. Yeah. But and and some people will be successful. Sure. It will be time consuming for them yep. and it may cause a few extra gray hairs, but sure. it can be done. But it, it, they don't have to sweat over it. They can hire an attorney, and we will 
do you, it you for them. You can sell your house on your own too. Yeah, you <laughs> Not, can. Right? But, you can. Or you can hire us. And, yeah, it's or you can hire a real estate agent because yeah. you really don't know what you're doing sometimes if you're trying to do it on your own. Yeah. Exactly. And I tell people all the time, you can sell your house on your own. You don't need my license to do it. Correct. I'm just going to make it a lot easier for you and I'm going to be able to get you more money. A lot you easier. Know? So it's it, same thing. So there, there's a lot of questions that go along with the probate process too. They don't know what they can pay for. They don't know what can be paid out of the estate. They don't know what they can be reimbursed for. So there's, there's a whole lot of questions that they just don't understand. And, and we have the knowledge sure. to help them through it. And you talked about a couple of different types of probate. I mean, how many different types are there? Is there something you can give us a quick overview sure. on? Sure. There's, there's, basically three different types of probate right now in the probate court. Um, and the first is a voluntary administration. And that is used when the total amount of the estate is under 25,000 okay. and no real estate. That's the key. There's okay. no, you cannot have real estate for okay. that type of estate. The second is an informal probate, which basically means that the court takes a kind of a hands-off approach. Once somebody is appointed personal representative, there's a lot less that they have to do with the court, and there's a lot less court involvement. And the third type is a formal probate, and that is used when there's some types of issues or if there's no will and real estate that needs to be sold. So when you have real estate and no will, you have to file a formal probate in order to have the authority to sell the real estate. And also, when you need the court to be more involved, you need the court to take some type of an action because of the fact that there's no will or there's a will, but there's a problem with the will. So those those are the three basic types of probate. So somebody comes to you and says, um, yeah, so-and-so passed away. I don't have a will. Um, but we're at that point, you can't create anything because it's too late. It's too late. So now the only option is that is that third option, yes? Is that formal probate. They right. come to me and they say, I have no will. I have a piece of real estate. I have assets. Um, no one really has authority. We have to make the, the judge or the court decide. Yep. Then we're going to need to file a formal probate. Okay. Um, biggest misconception about the wills and, and, and probate and... Which is what I alluded to earlier is the fact that when someone thinks they have a will, yeah. they say, I don't need to go to probate because I have a will. And I say, no, you still need, yeah. to, you still need to go to probate. You have to have that will actually probated. So, so we talked about three different documents before, right? We talked about the will, the healthcare proxy, and then we talked about power of attorney. Correct. It, would it be possible that I've got, you know, I don't have a will, but I've got a healthcare proxy, and it, or is it usually... They have all three or they don't have any or they just have a will or just talk to me about that. And sure, maybe the power of attorney helps if you at least have a power of attorney for somebody or. Sure. So those three documents are each unique and individual on their own. The last will and testament will only be used when someone passes away. So it means nothing up until that point, except that the fact that the person created a will and expressed what their wishes are, who they want to represent them, how they want their estate to be handled, and where they want their assets to go. It can be revoked at any time. It can be amended at any time, so long as the creator has testamentary capacity to do that. The power of attorney and healthcare proxy are different in the sense that those documents are used during the person's lifetime. And then when the creator of those documents passes away, those documents cease. So they're no longer valid 
So it doesn't matter if there was a power of attorney during the person's lifetime. Once they pass away, that document is done. And the importance of those two documents is that those are used when the creator is no longer able to handle their own matters. So the power of attorney is for financial matters. And if a person has dementia or Alzheimer's or is unable to carry on their finances for any reason, their attorney, in fact, named in that power of attorney document, can then step forward and help them and pay their bills and sell their real estate and talk with their insurance company and handle any and all financial matters for them, whatever is listed in that document. It's a very powerful document. Everybody should have one because we never know what's going to happen to us and whether or not we may lose capacity. We don't have to be 80 years old and have dementia or Alzheimer's. We could be in our 40s and be in a car accident and be in a coma and now need someone to pick up the pieces and help us, help us with our finances. And the name of that document's a little confusing too, right? They say power of attorney, but they're not having to select an attorney to make those decisions. Correct. You can, although sometimes you may. Sometimes you may, but most of the time it's a, it's a trusted family member. It's a husband and wife, an adult child. It's somebody that you really trust with your finances because they're going to be making really important decisions for you, selling some of your assets if necessary. So you really want someone you trust. We always talk about the trust issue. Uh, And then healthcare proxy? And the healthcare proxy is the medical piece. So if you become incapacitated for any reason, you now have someone to step up and make those medical decisions for you. We can include end-of-life decision-making. We can include any types of medications, any types of treatments. It's a very powerful document. Again, everybody should have one because we never know what's going to happen and whether we need someone to make medical decisions for us. It's very, very important to have that. So... You know, a family member passes away, uh, and I don't know if they've got a will. What do I do to figure that out? Well, hopefully the person has told their loved ones where that will is. Uh, If they haven't, search in the house, search in a safe deposit box, maybe ask in the attorney, or if they knew that there was a family attorney, hey, did they make one? It's really important, though, that the family member tell their loved ones where their documents are, keep them in a safe place, and and hopefully they can find them. Worst case scenario, they can't, and then we have to do a probate without a will. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're really coming up against the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of information and a lot of stuff. I mean, we didn't even get into trusts or business ownership and succession planning for that. So I know there's a lot more uh, on this topic, and we've got a you know condensed amount of time here. So if people have additional questions, they wanted to seek some more legal advice uh, out of you, uh, again, just talk about your location and, and the best way to get in touch with you. So I'm located in West Springfield at 171 Park Avenue, and that's right next to the Urgent Care Center on okay. the corner of Union and Park. My website is www.attylisambove, it's all one word, dot com. I have email at attylisambove.com, and my telephone number is 413-746-8525. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. A lot of great information, and hopefully uh, somebody learned a little something out there, and and they uh, hopefully are proactive to make that that past life, um, you know, experience a little bit smoother. 
Again, guys, Steve Ravithis uh, with Ravithis Realty, uh, 413-998-7466. And I want to be your real estate resource.